Thank you so much for listening to DNVR Biz. For the 95% of you that are listening to this through a mobile device, I would really appreciate it if you opened up that app right now and gave this a five-star review. It's the only way for this podcast to become more visible and reach more people. Thanks again. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of DNVR Biz. I'm Brandon Spano, and we have another really, really great guest today, Super Bowl 50 champion, Kayvon Webster. Kayvon Webster was a cornerback for the Denver Broncos. He played for the Rams. He played for the Redskins. He had some really unlucky and unfortunate injuries that kind of derailed his career. But, you know, he had been through so much growing up and had accomplished so much through all of that that it really didn't set him back. He ended up on the business side creating a food truck business that's flourishing right now in Florida. He's about to open a restaurant by the end of the year, a lounge, he calls it. He has an incredible foundation that has done amazing things for kids. He released a book called Kayvon Webster's Dictionary that's this motivational book for kids. He's actually creating a cartoon right now, and you know he's, has a bunch of investments in real estate. He's really dialed in. He goes out and empowers people to work with him which I really believe in. And he's just a really smart, sound guy that has come from a place that a lot of people don't make it out of, much less make it out of successfully. And now he's doing that in a bunch of different categories simultaneously. So really excited for you guys to hear from Kayvon Webster. Still reading The Pilgrimage right now, almost through this one. So we'll have a couple more days of of quotes from The Pilgrimage. This was really fascinating. You know, in the pilgrimage, Paul Coelho is this Brazilian guy. This is like his his actual journey. And he's going to Spain to find this sword. And, and he's going through this, this personal journey. He's telling the story of it. And, and, and all of this is modern day. And, and I think the sword is kind of a metaphor for this understanding of self and, and this journey to accomplish you know, his personal dream and mission. And there's a point where they get to this landmark, if you will. And he realizes that they just walked something ridiculous, like six days to get to this place or something like that. And all the while, it was actually only a, a six-mile trip that they could have done in half a day. He's furious and, and he's questioning his mentor here and his guide as to why they would waste so much time. And the quote is long, but essentially the guide says that the road enriches us as we walk its length. And he says, it'll turn out to be better or worse depending on the route you choose to reach it and the way in which you negotiate that route. The whole idea of this is essentially that this wouldn't have been as impactful of a journey if they would have just walked straight there. The things that Paolo had to learn on the journey, he could not have learned in six hours. The person that he needed to become, he could not have become in that time. It took this longer trip. I really loved this and and it really made so much sense to me. And I think that if any of you are out there and you realize, man, I made some mistakes. I can't believe that it took me this long to do this, or I can't believe I didn't understand this at this point. You can look back to this and say, you were actually right. This was actually for the best for you. You were able to grow inside of that. When you got to the goal, it was actually much sweeter. It actually meant a lot more to you because of the way that you had to go to get there. 
Okay, let's jump to the stock market. We're going to talk about DraftKings, DKNG, a big partner here at DNVR, and an important one. Uh, but this is not an ad read. <laughs> this is not an ad at all. This is actually the stock of the day, up almost 7%. It's up to 37.85 after a big drop uh, in the last couple weeks. And we're getting closer to games starting. Sports betting is picking up. And I would expect this stock to continue to keep going. We'll see. But Penn is also up. Uh, it passed Penn. So if you remember, one of the stocks we talked about last week was Penn when it passed DraftKings for the first time. Well, DraftKings is on a pretty furious roll right now. It's up 7%. And it's up to 37.85. And uh, doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon as... I would assume bets start rolling in. Sports books are opening up. They're about to open up their actual physical sports book at Monarch Casino in Central City here in Colorado. They've already obviously opened up their digital draft book, which you hear ads for all across the DNVR podcast network. So DraftKings, 37.85. And then Bitcoin is actually up right now. It's as high as they've been up in weeks, 93.78.32, up uh, two and a half points right now so portfolio on that's looking pretty clean let's jump to the podcast with super bowl 50 champion Kayvon webster put my right hand to god shine on these bras stay on my job grind with my squad honey racks on my car no license at all no tent on that thing that's how we ball all these floor suckers and frauds my circle so small stick to my script and just ball first i'll pick up my all right. Hey, thanks, Kayvon. Thanks for making the time, man. I know you're a busy dude. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, B. Man, you've got so much going on. I don't even know how you're sitting on the phone right now, man. <laughs> yeah, 24 hours in a day, man. It really is. As as I can. You know, what's crazy is, you know, I know a lot of athletes over the years and even know a lot that are in business now or even stuff that I'm doing business stuff with in their post-career now in Denver. But I have to say, man, you stay working out still, man. A lot of guys, a lot of guys pass that on and they do in their post career. They uh, go straight into business or whatever they're doing and uh, don't necessarily stay in the gym. But man, I see you. You're, you're, it's still on the daily grind for you, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm still working out. You know, I'm still, you know, even though COVID is happening and, you know, I was able to be with the Redskins the last two games of the season. So, you know, I'm yep. still trying to complete this journey that I'm going sure. on. Sure. I didn't really get a fair chance to redeem myself from tearing my Achilles, you know. I agree. Went out to Houston and kind of they handled my rehab pretty wrong. Got rushed back on the field, tore my quad, and then I was out. So kind of looked like, you know, that I was injury prone. And, you know, the medical staffs that I've been part of in Houston didn't really take care of me well. And uh, they just treated me like just another body. So, you know, I'm still on that journey trying to, come back and you know be able to tell my story worldwide man i i really agree and, and we're going to talk a lot of business on this but man just from a football perspective man i remember you coming up with chris and that was right at the end of the champ era and right at the end of the dawkins era and you and chris and uh, akib and roby was just coming in and i mean you were right there like before that texas trip before in that preseason i mean you were Start, yeah, you were that a, number three a, guy. I mean, you were you were like locked. You were as good. Like you were on the same level as all of those guys. Like I was always for sure you were going to get healthy, get signed on somewhere else, and go ball out like as a Pro Bowler. It just didn't happen. Yeah. It was just crazy. It didn't ha- like it didn't end up happening. You know? Yeah, it was basically you know 
when um that year that Roby came in, I had done well there. Uh, I just had had a little yeah. off the field issue that kind of set me back. And, you know, Coach Jack Del Rio and John Elway they came and talked to me about it. And um, you know, I just t- I just took my role like a champ. You know, I just you know they told me that I wasn't gonna be able to play defense because of the off the field issue I had. And then, you know, I just was a team player. You know, I just knew I just had to keep getting better every day. You know, I still had a chance. I still – I had got a shot when I went to L.A. You know, it was going pretty well until I tore my Achilles. And then, you know, I'm thinking that they're going to bring me back. You know, I had a I had a good time there. I battled through a lot of injuries there. And, you know, it just didn't work out. The business side of it sucks. You know, you build a relationship with these mm. guys. and. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get hurt. It's like you expendable. So that's kind of what happened with me. And then, you know, I went to Houston and it kind of like, it kind of like triggered on. So didn't really get taken care of the right way to to get back to tell my story like like someone else that would have gotten hurt. Sure. Like a star player. So, you know, it comes with the game. You live, you, live, you learn, you know, football is not for long. So I'm just trying to give it everything I had. When did you say, okay, I don't know how much I got left here. I got to get my paper right and start working on some of these investment, you know, opportunities and publishing things and foundation, all the stuff you have going now. Like, when did you really start to actively pursue that? Or or did you always kind of do that? Well, when I was a rookie, you know, I had started my foundation. It was pretty big for me to start that because when I was growing up and nobody really, uh, I went to like Warren Sapp camps, but he's not from Miami. I think somebody else that had a camp that we kind of looked up to was Mike McKenzie. He had, I went to one of his camps growing up and I just always said that, you know, when I make it to that next level, I want to, I want to be an everyday champion in my community, not just a once a year type person. So I'm always looking for things to do to help others out and to build my community up and just give back, you know, cause that's, you know, that's what our pur- – well, I feel like that's what my purpose is, you know, to give back to others who are less fortunate and those who are looking up to me for inspiration. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear that, man, and, and I I appreciate that so much. I mean, I, I really feel similar in that way. Your Twitter is just full of – you know, I feel like for me, I'm in the gym in the morning and I'm reading books and I'm, I'm listening to books and I'm, I'm taking notes. And I'm putting a lot of stuff that I'm thinking or digesting on on Twitter. And I, I see you doing a lot of the same stuff, man. I see you doing a lot of the same stuff. So I just – I already know just looking at your feet, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's on that journey. You know, he's on the journey. Yeah, I'm, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading. You know, I think, like, a lot of things that we grow and we learn through are in books and, you know, through life experiences. Can't nobody really guide you like a situation that you're in. So – you know, I just try to take everything that I go through in a positive way. I look for the positive and everything. And, you know, I just try to continue to move forward. How many investment opportunities are you approached by when you're a professional athlete and everybody just assumes that you've got all this disposable income? The list is, the list is nonstop. You know, somebody, <laughs> always come, somebody always come with an idea, want you to invest in them. Though. But, you know, you got to kind of look at it as if – like you're the prize. Everybody's trying to get a piece mm. of what you have. So you kind of got to like be smart about the way you invest in it. doesn't make sense. And right, right. Know, what's the longevity of this investment? Right, right, right. Do you have a team around you that helps you vet some of this stuff? Or, or do you have guys that you say like, Hey man, I don't know this particular uh, area or something. Can you check this out? I don't really have a, 
I wouldn't say I really don't have a team that I consult with as far as the ideas that I want to bring to life. Uh-huh. I know that once I do have an idea, I do reach out to to Lieb or or Vaughn or, you know, Xavier Rhodes or, you know, some of my other friends that I have, you know, if I have an idea, I mention it to them. And, you know, just to get that feedback, just to get that constructive criticism of what they think about the idea. But, you know, ultimately, it's up to me about what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. So I never put it, I never put the, you know, I never put them in the driver's seat of something that I want to do. I always stay in the driver's seat. And, you know, I let a passenger hop in here and there just to hear what they're saying. But it's really up to me. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I uh, God blessed me with this vision to be able to, you know, grow. Yeah, I really love that idea. Yeah, you're in the driver's seat. You let some people hop in every now and then, but you make sure you're still driving the car around. Let's talk about the food truck, Vibe 305. The food always looks amazing. You got to try it one time. I'm trying yeah. to get it back. I'm trying to get it out to Denver, man. Some people ask me about it, but. You're going to go Vibe 303 food truck here? Vibe 303. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys are serving seafood, wings, rice, mac and cheese, garlic, potatoes. You got the whole thing. So. What was the idea behind the food truck? Was that something that, that you wanted to do? And I know you're opening up a lounge, a restaurant there, but before we get into that, like, did you originally want to do a lounge and you decided to start with a food truck or like walk us through that from the business side? Oh, so from, I would say, you know, the food truck was an idea that started based off of me living in LA. I had a living chef, the living chef. He was basically helping me keep my body together eating the right foods, putting the right nutrition in my body so I could perform at a high level. And, uh, you know, when I tore my Achilles, I sat down. I was like, well, if I'm going to have this guy around, instead of me paying him, we should make money together. So how could we do that? Mm. You know, we first I tried to, I first tried to implement him getting other athletes to do meal plans. But his his mind wasn't where my mind was. It was, think, like, get rich quick off of this, but I was just like, it's a long-term thing. Like you, you can't really overcharge people for just because they do, you know, play a sport, you know what I'm saying? So right, 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 right. The kind of things of being fair, the guy that I did start the vision with, we, he's not with me anymore. You know, um, he's doing his own thing, but you know, he introduced me to a guy right before things started getting crazy. And, it was a process. You know, I was in L.A. I was like, okay, I'm in L.A. I'm from Miami. I can't really eat no food from Miami that's out here. There's nothing really close to it. So I thought, you know, let's bring Miami to Cali. How are we going to do this? So me and the chef, you know, we came up with, you know, some things that we want, some items that we want to sell in California that was based off of Miami. And, and if you're visiting California from Miami, you know that, it was a truck out here that was based off of Miami. You can get the same food mm, mm. in California. So, cool. you know, that, that took place, you know, that was a whole process in itself, you know, driving around to San Diego, looking at different trucks, driving back, trying to get it wrapped. And, you know, the process was fun for me. It was a fun process. And that, that's what kind of motivates me is the process of doing new things. You know what I'm saying? Nobody in my family ever operated a food truck. My dad, my brother's dad, he sold like food and stuff out of his trunk when we were when we were kids at the park. He was like our concessions stand there. So it's kinda like 
similar but not so similar you know i'm selling cooked food he sold like he sold cooked food but he also had like snacks drinks and stuff like that right and, right it's um, like it was kind of like a convenience store on wheels yeah it was a convenience store on wheels um, right right but, but i never really looked at that and said that i wanted to do the food truck it was basically me paying the chef inside that was living it with me and i was like man how can we make money together so i watched the movie it was called chef so the chef, it was a guy, he worked in a restaurant. He wanted to cook. He wanted to cook food like for people to love, but the restaurant owner didn't let him do it. Mm. And um, they used to have guys that come by and do reviews of the food. And he wanted to make a meal for the guy to get a great review. They didn't let it happen. He, he went out, he outsourced the food truck. His wife paid for it. He was started off selling sandwiches and it was a success. Him and his son started taking road trips and... It just was cool. You know, I had came up with a whole idea about, you know, me getting a food truck and let's let's implement the healthy side of the food truck. Let's go to different cities or different states that have football teams that are connected to the school system and let's teach them about, you know, healthy ways of living. And, you know, I mean, I still, that's that's still an idea that I want to get out there, but you know, right now I'm running a food truck. I had it in L.A. for six months. I had to close it down because I moved to Texas. And then, you know, when I moved to Texas, it was kind of hard for me to be hands-on with the business. And, you know, after the Texans, I moved back to Miami. And I just like, you know what? Like, let's start it. I had already... Started it back up again. I had, I had already had a taste of the entrepreneurial world when I was in Denver. I had bought my first 18-wheeler truck from uh, Penske. And it was a fun process for me too, having an 18 wheeler company. And, you know, I just recently sold my 18 wheeler company. I had it for four years and, and that was a fun process as well. Like, like I said, nobody in my family has had a food truck or had an 18 wheeler company or have really done anything that I have done. You know what I'm saying? Right, I pride right. myself on just building new things so that, you know, when I do decide to have the kids, they can see that, you know, there's no limit to the things you can do. Like, I didn't put a limit on myself, so you shouldn't put a limit on yourself. Like, my family, my dad, my, my mom worked, you know, really hard. Her husband worked really hard. I didn't really know my real dad. He was in and out. So, you know, that just created some some motivation to me. Like, you know, when I grow up, this this is what I want. This is what I want to accomplish. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, you know, I've been able to accomplish some good things. And, you know, I think I think that one of the things that happens, too, is that you get a, you know, I, I have a kind of a similar story. And I think that what happens is this, you kind of create an independence, you know, you, yeah. you kind of end up independent. You're doing a lot of things, thinking for yourself, doing a lot of things yourself. You overcome things and then you kind of develop a callus. It's easier to get over things. And then, you know, I think with your career, too, I mean, Sports are such a brutal truth teller, you know, I mean, these, these right. injuries and stuff. And so I think in order to create businesses and to try to grow something and, and you were kind of right, you were like, Hey, this guy was trying to do a, a get rich quick scheme. Like I'm trying to build a sustainable long-term thing that creates, uh, you know, that takes this kind of a daily grind and this daily effort. And I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of times where you were probably able to look back at things that you had to overcome in your playing career and think like, 
that was a lot harder than than what I'm doing right now. And so it, it kind of puts things in perspective. It makes it a little easier for you to get up and, and try and try again because, you know, business can be tough. But like you said, once you get that taste of entrepreneurialism, it, for certain people, it's addicting, you know? Right. Right. I would say it is addicting because you're always thinking of what's the next thing that you can do. And, that's right. You know, that's right. For me, for, for me, I'm always thinking about what can I do? What can I start? that will inspire the next person to do something like this or what can I start to just, you know, be able to give back? To yeah, the, to let, me, let me jump in and just ask you a couple of questions on the food truck. So like from a licensing standpoint and stuff, is that pretty messy? Is there a lot of hoops you have to jump through or if, if you get the truck, is it, is it pretty easy to get one going? Like, and then I guess if you can, once you answer that, kind of tell us, is there certain locations that are better? Do you pay for your location? How does all that work, Kayvon? Well, every state is different. Every state has their own rules. I mean, when I was in California, you know, California has a lot of cities in it, and uh, most of their cities don't require you to have, most of their cities don't require you to have any licensing or any permit. I wouldn't say any licensing. You do need license. You don't, you don't, you're not required to have permits to sell food. Okay. Like in Miami, you have to have permits to sell food. When it comes to like paying for places, some, some in California, we didn't really have to pay to go anywhere besides like little events that other food trucks was at. And, you know, after a while, you kind of learn the game on your own. Like you don't have to really, you don't want to put an extra expense on yourself. So you just try to find, little loopholes where you don't have to pay and, you know, you still can satisfy the community. In Miami, it's a bit different. You got to have the right permits. And it's, it's some it's some loopholes that you can go through, you know. I don't want to mention them, you know. But, <laughs> but you know, you, you kind of got to learn the game yourself. And, yeah. uh, and if you know somebody else, you know, I mean, I'll be, I would be willing to – I'm willing to always help somebody else out that's trying to learn what I know. And I can just get them the experience that I have. But the the hardest step is just getting started with your vision. That's the hardest step. Once you get started, it's kind of like you're going to be into it. You're going to love it. Man, I love that. I, I love that because how many people do you talk to that think that they have to have everything perfectly set up before they can start something, right? And it's you like – You got to have a little – you just got to have a little research, you know. You got to really right. believe in what it is that you're doing. You got to have faith that it's going to be hard days and you got to know that. Tough, tough times don't last. Tough people do, and once you get that mindset, you know you'll be able to accomplish so many, so many things. Let's move to real estate. I know that's something that you have a, a lot of your net worth in right now. Yeah. So, so are you buying and s- selling? Are you buying and renting? You know, or or, or do you do a little bit of both? Uh, you know, I, I guess just kind of talk to us about that and kind of what your you know, how that's set up and what your beliefs behind that are. I know that there's a lot of, you know, fix and flippers. I know some people like to buy, like to collect as many real estate assets as they can, and then they rent them out. So yeah. how, do you, how do you look at that whole game? The real estate is actually fun. You know, um, it's, it's essential. People are always going to need a roof over their head. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's really a great game to be in. For me, I have had opportunities to buy homes and flip them and sell them. But for me, I don't, I kind of do it to where it's reasonable for me. You know, I have two homes in Miami, so, you know, I have a roof over my head that is paid for. So, for me, one of the things that I would do is I would just go start off with a year lease at a condo that got a nice view that's affordable. 
you know what I'm saying? Maybe twenty-five to three thousand dollars a month. You know, that's maybe let's go with thirty-six thousand dollars on a year. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You don't have to pay all that up front. You just sign a lease. If you have somewhere else to stay, you can rent that spot out. So let's say I get a a spot that's worth twenty five hundred dollars a month. If I rent that spot out for two hundred dollars a day for twenty days, that's four thousand dollars. I paid the rent, and I still have fifteen hundred dollars left. Mm. And I still have 10 more days of the month to rent out. So I can max it out or I can just go stay in that spot. You know what I'm saying? Right. For those right. 10 days. And if I need to get away, if I want to have some time with my friends, some alone time, that's just one way that you can make money, you know, just getting Is that, is that like leveraging Airbnb, Kayvon? It's kind of like an Airbnb, but it's, yeah, it's basically an Airbnb, basically. You know, you, you have your cleaning lady come by, you you hire somebody to do property management for you if you don't have the time. I'm not sure what percentage you will be willing to give them out of the money that you're making, but mm. you got to factor in everything that we're going to do in entrepreneur world is going to have an expense. And right, right. your job is to lower your expenses as much as possible so that you can see the profit. That's kind of, you know, the whole real estate game in a nutshell. You know, you don't really have to say you don't really have to go buy $300,000 homes. You don't have to go buy million dollar homes to make a profit and sell them. It's kind of hard to sell houses, you know what I'm saying? Especially in this time, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's working. Everybody's, you know, applying for the loans that they're giving out. And, you know, it's not a bad thing and it's not a good thing. It's in between. Right, it's all about what you, right. it's all about, it's all about, your comfortability of what you're willing to spend every month on a project like that. And then, you know, you have to do the groundwork. So right now, you know, I have a friend that, you know, is a property manager. He, he also, he also has about, he has about two or three, you know, condos that he rents out. And, you know, I've been able to add, you know, maybe two or three more to his, to his services. So, you know, on the weekend, if I do need some place to live or I want to go get away from the areas that I'm in, I can just go there. It's already, you know, it's already paid off. I rented out 20 days out of the month and the last 10 days, you know, I can do whatever I want with it. Did you put yourself on a monthly budget when you were playing and then, you know, have a percentage that went to investment and and different things, or did you just kind of or, or did you end up, you know, doing that as you got older and, and or like, like how did all that work? Or did you just kind of go in and like first couple of years, just, you know, young and dumb, right? Like, like most of us. I've had my days where I've been young and dumb, but you know, that's part of it. It's not really <laughs> yeah, yeah. being, oh, yeah, it's just, yeah, about, you have to, it's just you really have to about living. It's really about living the experience. You know what I'm right. saying? Like I can look back and say, Hey, I was a rookie. I had X amount of dollars. I don't That's regret. Right. I don't regret spending any of that money. You know what I'm saying? That's All right. I do, yeah, yeah. I learned from it. You know what I'm saying? I was a rookie. You know, I, I had a chance. I went third round. I got a signer bonus. I saved my signer bonus. Mm-hmm. I put it away. I ripped up the car. I never touched it. You know what I'm saying? It didn't gain any money. It didn't lose any money. Right. Well, it did lose money because if it's not gaining, it's losing. It's, That's right. You know? I was. Just gonna say, yeah. So I did lose money, but it's kind of funny in the NFL. We we get paid four months out of the year, you know what I'm saying? And then March and, and, and April, I think you get like a player performance check, mm, but you still have to live during the season off of those four months that you're getting paid. So of course you want to buy clothes. You got 
house, a house that you live in, you got cars that you drive, you got family coming in. So yeah, the money is getting spent. And then, you know, it's going to be an eight month period where there's no money coming in if you don't have no outside income. So, you know, I kind of figured that out after my rookie year, you know, I was blessed to be able to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, I, I looked at the finances after it was just like, wow, I really blew through all this money. Like, <laughs> so I had done got a, um, I had, uh, luckily I had my sign-up bonus saved, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, I had went and got a financial advisor. Me and Von Miller had the same financial advisor. They was educating me on what I needed to save every month to get to the top. They asked me, what is my goal? And then they told me how much I need to save every year to reach my goal, you know what I'm saying? So it was a blessing to be able to live, you know, through those experiences. And, you know, I've been able to grow through those experiences. Let's, I want to talk about the book. You published Kayvon Webster's Dictionary, which is essentially a book full of wordplay and bright illustrations that show examples from your chosen words of the day and yeah. re- really kind of take kids through this journey to achieve a positive mindset. So what's the motivation? What was the motivation behind that? So I'm not sure if you're familiar with my career in the writing game. That's kind of like one of the hidden talents that I have is like, you know, writing. And it's kind of like a reliever for me. I would say before the Kayvon Webster's Dictionary, I had I had a chance to write a book with a female named Jasmine D. It's called the book. The book is called Timeless Inspiration, and it's basically a book about you know just inspiring and you know just telling people like you know basically what I said earlier. You know, tough times don't last. Tough people do. You just have to keep the faith, pick out the positive and everything, and you know, stay persistent on your grind. The the Kayvon Webster dictionary happened because I tore my Achilles. I had a I had I tore my Achilles and you know they were saying all type of stuff like, oh he's never gonna be the same, he's never gonna walk walk the same, not gonna run the same, or oh, he might be done with the NFL and I just took all that as motivation. And and like since I write, I've had a chance to have my boy John Miller that, that lives in Arizona. He was out there with me. We we always created some content and it started out with some YouTube videos about words of the week. And, you know, the words of the week, they did so good on video that I just was like, bro, we should just turn this into a book, an illustration book for kids. And, you know, my last name is Webster Dictionary. Uh, the dictionary is named Webster. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of went hand in hand. We just named Kayvon Webster's Dictionary, a motivational guide to, you know, daily success and the book was basically dedicated to anybody going through adversity and which at the time that I was writing this book I was going through adverse time you know the Rams I was doing rehab with them for four months and then you know one day you know it changed they went and got Marcus Peters they went and got to lead I had a meeting with the team I had a meeting with all the coaches just the day before you know everything was all smiles and Oh boy, you looking good. This and that. Yeah, I mean, you you put out the videos. You were running through the tires. You were running through the ropes. You looked fresh, like at that summer. Yeah, it was kind of like, it's kind of like the league is fake in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like right. one day, everybody was in my face, smiling, happy for me coming back, and then the next day, I'm getting a call from the head coach. He's like, "Man, oh, you're not coming in to work today?" And I'm like, "I'm off today." You know, I had rehab. I rehab the whole week. You know what I'm saying? I'm off today. I'm actually headed to Mexico. And he was like, man, we're going to have to release you today. And it was just like, 
damn, I don't get a chance to redeem myself. Like you just, I just talked to y'all the day before, like, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And the way to call me on the phone, it's like really like no real respect when it comes to an athlete getting hurt. Like they don't know the NFL is a, is a cruel business when it comes to um, you getting hurt because they don't, it's no penalty. They can release you whenever. And, you know, that's kind of the stuff that I was going through and I was able to create that book, you know, just telling myself, you know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going no matter what. Like they can't stop my shine. Yeah, I still, I, I was still, I was still coming up with things to create. I created a food truck. I created a, a kid's book. And then, you know, the kid's book, it came out so good and the illustrations looked so good that it led me to do a kid's cartoon, which is called The Adventures of Kim and K. I outsourced my boy, um, Jason Canella. He went to high school with me. He was an actor on Young and the Restless in California. And he used to come over to my house and I was like, bro, do you know anybody that does cartoons? I want to turn the book into a cartoon. And he introduced me to Stratostorm company based out of, uh, I want to say Australia. Yeah, I want to say they're based out of Australia, but they had just moved to California. And, you know, they had done thing. They had done animations for Cartoon Network, Netflix, a whole bunch of other uh, other places that they created for. And it just was a blessing to be able to, keep, to continue to the positive and, and to create in a time where the league made me feel like they like I wasn't who I am. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Like, like yeah, like kind of like like I, like I didn't away. put this work in. Like I didn't put this work in my whole life. To, to be here like you just made me feel like I was like the league does two things they make you feel like you're one of a kind and then they make you feel like you're disposable so it's kind of like them playing a the game with you oh you part of one percent you part of one percent and then that's what you cut that's so right. it's like you can't really you can't really get too involved with them mentally because if you do it'll mess you up and that's kind of what I didn't let a lot, I didn't allow it to happen to me. I was like, well, it's the NFL, you know, I'm a kid out of Miami. Nobody in my family ever went to the NFL. So if they think this going to break me, you know what I'm saying? They can't break me. I'm right. I'm going to do what I have to do. Like I'm still like, I'm, I'm in the best shape I am. I've ever been in right now. I weigh about 190. I was in, I didn't have not weighed 190 since I was in 12th grade. You know what I'm saying? So I'm feeling good. I'm I'm creating new things. And, you know, I can't really complain about anything that's going on. Kayvon, let's talk about the book real quick. On the business side, was that tough to get it published? I think a lot of people think like, man, I want to write a book. I want to get a book published. It seems like there's so many hoops. First um, off, like, and, and let me just couple that too with one other question. So like, was it difficult to get it published? And then did you fund it yourself or did you find a loophole around that? I funded the book myself. Okay, so you funded it yourself. I funded the book myself. I had my boy, John Miller. Right, right, you he, mentioned that, okay. He, he created a lot of content for me. He kind of was the one who helped me put everything together in that in that aspect with the videos and then the book. So, you know, he found the sources that we needed to get it printed. I love that, man. And then, and you know, I wanna, I'm, I'm gonna jump in here. I, I wanna cut you off because I, I keep finding there's a theme about you that I actually really resonates with me. And I think that it really resonates with, with essentially anybody who finds success. And, you know, when we talk about your food truck, it starts because you have a relationship with a chef 
And when we talk about the real estate, you have a real estate partner that we talked about before the show that you jump in and do these investments with. When we go to the book, you have a, a partner in, in Arizona that understands this side of it in publishing books. And then you actually knew you went to someone else when you wanted to make this into a cartoon, someone who understands that side of it. And, and essentially what's happening is you have a vision, you have an idea, you know that if, if you can orchestrate that idea, you can, you can make that a reality that it will be successful. And you go and find somebody who understands that space is an expert there and you get them to help you create your reality. And, and I, I do the same thing. I think that everyone who's ever accomplished anything does that. And, and it's really this mindset that says like, hey, listen, I'm not here to be the hero. I'm not here to do everything myself. I just have some great ideas. I want to get some great people involved. You build relationships and you end up being able to do all of these things that you've done. I, I think that that's how all great things are built. I have a ton of respect for that. So why don't we just talk about that, that whole side that I just laid out and building relationships with people and how you go about finding people to help you. And, and if you even realize that that's essentially what you're doing. Of course, I realize that's what I do. I think sports helped me to, sports really helped me figure that side out. Mm, it's, mm, uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's everybody good. uses that, uh, the team, the team, the team, the team, the team in sports. So I feel like in order for you to be successful, you have to have a team even if you don't know where to start, you know what I'm saying? You just, it just starts with your vision. So I had a vision and, you know, I outsourced the people that I thought can help me bring my vision to life. The people that I've outsourced, I think everything that I've started, like the truck business, the food truck, the book, the cartoon, the real estate, all the people that I've been able to partner up with, this was their first time doing stuff too. So mm, that's kind of gave, it kind of gave them, it kind of gave them passion. Like, dang, this guy believes in me. Like he's came oh, on. Like, man, I love you know, that so with much. Denver. So it was like, well, I want to help this guy. Cause I know he's going to be able to, he's going to be successful. He has a mind. He has, you know, he's positive. He's always helping others. Like I wouldn't mind helping somebody that's always helping some other people. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I kind of built, all the things that I'm doing. It wasn't just because of me. It was basically I had an idea and I outsourced these people. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, man, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do this? Who can we find that knows how to do this? Does anybody know how to do this? You have to ask questions. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, right. like, there's no dumb question that can be asked. The only right. stupid question, I know that you you probably heard this before, the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. That's right. So, That's you know, right. I use that as a motivation, you know, when I want to bring something to life, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to write it down. A lot of stuff that I've created, I have written down in my journal. You know what I'm saying? I have a journal. When I was in college, quick flashback, when I was in college, the person that recruited me was uh, Larry Scott and uh, Jim Levitt was the head coach. And, um, you know, after my rookie, after my freshman year, he got fired. So it was kind of like, dang, I came to this school for this coach. <laughs> like he's not here no more. So what I'm going to do. And it was just basically like, you know, I got to control what I can. And with that being said, I was like, I was always trying to find something to be better at. And that's what brought me here. Like I needed a team. I needed a team to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish. And I just, it just gave other people to drive too. Cause it's something new for them to create too. So, you know, we both want to create something new. Like we're going to get it done. 
Yeah, I love that. You know, I wanted to ask you kind of uh, a, a football thing, just in the sense of, of per public perception. And, and I, I, ever since a couple of years ago, I was having breakfast with Duke. I, I know you know Duke real well. And, you know, he was talking about this weird perception where people that aren't necessarily that close to the game, they think that everybody in the NFL has like $40 million in the bank. They see these ESPN headlines and these hey, contracts. Hey, we the broke his sport out, the sport out there. <laughs> is there. Is it sometimes weird being in an environment where you're around, you know, you, like Vaughn is a friend of yours. That's a, that's a very different, you know, like you're not doing bad, but Vaughn is a very different uh, financial bracket. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like we have friends that are like, you know, you in the NFL, you know, the superstars, they the ones that get the money. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. You get the, the deals that say five years, 90, five years, 120. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you're just hanging saying? out with like, those guys and they're like. Numbers, all those numbers look good, but people don't really understand like that money is taxed 48%, you know, it's 46, uh, 47, That's it's true. like 45% or higher. So if right. they say, if they say that I'm going to make $70 million, 45% of that, like that's what I'm going to have, but that's not what I'm going to have. You got to think in these four months, I got spending, I got to yeah. spend every year. So I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have this at the end of the day. Now, if I'm smart, of course, I'm going to have, I'm going to have what, I'm going to save, I'm going to save, and I'm going to have a budget that I'm spending. You know what I'm saying? But right, a lot right. of these guys, you know, they get in the league and, you know, they become other they – don't, they don't be the same after they get to the league because we so used to getting paid at a high level. We used to getting 30000 every other week or – like Vaughn, some like I remember. I think Peyton used to get eight hundred thousand like every other week. You know what I'm saying? He he had a billion in in a month. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of yeah. it, it may be more. You know what I'm saying? But right, right. Not everybody has that luxury. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be smart with your money, and you know you got to have a plan because you know the life expectancy of a football player in the league is three years. You know what I'm saying? If you can make it over that, you you know you've been blessed, and I've been able to be blessed to be able to still be getting workouts with other teams and still, you know, still playing the game that I grew up loving as a kid. But I'm also not blind to that the game is not going to be there forever for me. Like, my speed, my, yeah, right. my ability is going to diminish. You know what I'm saying? No matter how much training, no matter how – like, it's just, it's just the game. Like, I'm getting older, the injuries can catch up. And, you know, I just have to secure myself and my family and my legacy of what I want to leave in people. Let's talk about the foundation before we get to the final three here. Game Changers Foundation, you're doing summer camps, football and stuff. I mean, couldn't do that this year, but football camps, which I love that. There's a lot of dispute, obviously, right now about youth football and people always want to talk about that. But I don't think there's any game that can teach you more than football does. But anyway, outside of that, you do a lot. It does a lot more than that. You're doing free haircuts for kids. You're doing pedicures and manicures for 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 young young men and women out there. And I and I think that's, you know, I can see you do a ton of stuff for kids, which is which is my that's really resonates with me because I'm the same way. I I always want to try to go. What's the kid foundation? What's the way we can get back to the kids, the kids, the kids? Because they are future. They're the future, and you know, they're the ones that are the have the most unfair environment right i mean adults hey if you make mistakes or whatever i know everything happens and people fall on hard times or whatever but 
as adults, we have a lot of choices. Kids, they don't have choices. You don't get to pick who you're, you didn't get to pick, for example, who your dad was going to be. You don't get to pick what, you know, situation that that your mom was going to be in or whatever. You just had to try to make the best of it. So I always appreciate giving back to kids, but I just want to ask a couple questions about that. First one is how was setting up a nonprofit different than, you know, setting up your other businesses? Um, it's pretty much the same thing. Okay. Um, you got to open up an account, the 501C3 or 3C. Yeah, yeah, it's C3. One, yeah. It's one of those. But uh, it's kind of like the same thing. You got to fill out some paperwork, open an account, get the name, copyright it. And, uh, you know, you got to find it's, – it's basically a business in itself. You know, you can have a business with your uh, nonprofit organization. Luckily for me – I run my own foundation, so I don't really have that many uh, employees with the foundation that I have to pay out. Mm, okay. Um, I have one guy. His name is uh, Mike Nattis. I found him my rookie year. You know, uh, talked to him about you know some of the some of the things that I want to accomplish, and you know, every every other day, you know, it, me and Mike are coming up with ideas. Well, I come up with ideas about what I want to implement in my community and you know mike does his job by finding out how we can do that how can we get fundraising how can we get the kids there what kind of donations can we get and you know he does his job he does his job you know i bring the idea and you know sometimes he brings the ideas or the sponsorships and you know we just move forward like that because the goal for me is to always give back because when i was growing up ain't nobody really give back to me everything i had I had to work hard for it and I had to make a way for myself. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really great. And I agree. I agree a hundred percent on that one. And then last but not least on that, like what's the goal on the foundation? Is it just, Hey, let's just help as many kids as we can. Are you trying to like scale this? You know, like, I, I guess what's the, what's the big vision on the foundation? My mission statement is to help at risk kids and the youth to, you know, inspire them for change and to inspire them to, keep going no matter who's in that corner. Like all you need is yourself to be in your corner and you can accomplish so many things. Like, like you said, you don't get to choose your family. You don't get to choose your, you know, your mom or your dad, but you can choose what you want to leave behind in the world and what you want to be in life. Nobody can choose that for you. Mm. Even though, you know, you have parents that put you in sports that, and you don't really like, you know, little stuff like that, you, you still have control of what you want to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's always been my goal. You know, I never let nobody, my family didn't play football. You know what I'm saying? Like I started football on, my mom used to take walks around the neighborhood. And, you know, one day the park was out there. I went out there, one of my cousins was out there and we played a game and I just loved the game. And then I just was in sports and sports and sports. And then, you know, I start, you know, triggering off into baseball, track, basketball, and uh, track. I really love track, you know what I'm saying? When I got to college, I couldn't really train for track because I had a coach that was, like, really old school. And um, they used to kind of, like, try to make me feel bad for doing two things. But I'm like, I run track and I play football. I'm doing more than this whole football team, right. like, what are you saying? How am I not dedicated? My coach told me that I wasn't dedicated to football because I was oh, terrible. So terrible. It was like, so I was looking at him like, it's crazy. Like, they kind of like 
they kind of like slave me in college. Like I, I used to get up, go to track practice at six in the morning. Then I used to have class from like eight to like twelve, and then we had football practice from two to five. Then we got a, we got study hall. You got to be in study hall till about eight or nine. And then, you know, you got to start that cycle all over again. Mm. Then when I got that, then our coach, he changed the schedule. It was basically like waking up in the morning, 6 o'clock football start. Nobody has class in between before 12 o'clock. All the classes started after 12. So it was kind of like them throwing a wrench in my mm. in my, uh, my athletic life. And, you know, I just had to make the most of it. Like, you know, we used to have spring games and we used to have scrimmages on the same day that I had a track meet, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I would play half the scrimmage, and they'll be like, all right, cool, you play half the scrimmage, you can go to the track meet. And it's like, I got to win a race, you know what I'm saying? But I just <laughs> took off the I just went out there. Right. Wide you know what I'm saying? You were just getting there. hit, now you're running the 100. <laughs> now you want me to go out there and run the 100 full speed. And it's was, it was crazy. I was, be, I, was, I was so blessed to be able to do both in those circumstances, you know what I'm saying? Right, I, was right, sure. go, I was able to go to the Big East Championship and get uh, the indoor championship and get second place. I was able to wow. go to the outdoor championship with no practice and get fifth place in the 100 meter. You know what I'm saying? I was, I, was, I was able to accomplish so many things when things were being stripped away from me. And, and you know, I never really made no excuse. I always, like, I just, like, took the positive out of everything. And, like, to flashback, what I went to say about college, when I was talking about, you know, what my coach, Coach Lever, got fired, and I had to control what I had to do, I basically started a journal because we, we used to go to Vero Beach for camp, and we had a roommate. So in my room, I just used to write in my journal, you know, that I'm thankful, I'm grateful for, you know, the experiences that I'm going through. I used to write about my days and – what happened in my day and what I want to happen in the future. And, you know, that kind of like transpired until now, you know, I'm doing so many things. These are things that I have written about. Like, you know, I want to jump into the entrepreneurial world. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It just opportunities start coming available, but I was ready for it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I prepped myself for it. Okay. Uh, last one before we go to the final round, what would be the equivalent to winning a Super Bowl for you, except in the business world? Seeing something that you start go really big. Like, you know, like, like right now I'm really excited about, you know, the future for my food truck. It's doing exceptionally well. I was able to put together a good team to help me with that. And it's going good. You know, we're getting good reviews. People love the food and we're, and we're able Opening to- Opening the restaurant soon. And we, yeah, and we're able to, the food truck created an opportunity for us to get a lounge. Right. And, you know, I had a vision years ago, like when I was telling people like, man, I want to create something like Dave and Buster's, but like with my own food, mm. I want to create my own like atmosphere, you know what I'm saying? And the food truck that I created in Miami, it kind of transpired into me being able to get that opportunity to do what I want to do. Like, even though it's small, it's going to grow bigger. And I would say the equivalent of winning a Super Bowl in the business world is being able to franchise and see it doing, going well. Love that. Okay, final round here. I got three more questions, then we'll get you out of here. Question number one that I ask everybody is the most important book to you? The most important book would be the Bible. 
Okay, most important books is the Bible. You know you can go to the Bible to look up everything that you're feeling. Like, it's passages for everything. You know what I'm saying? It's passages for you to, for love, passages for when you feel nervous, when you feel doubt, when you feel overwhelmed. It's passages for every feeling. You just got to find it. And then, you know, the book is, is basically like a guideline. Like, somebody else went through this already. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, if we follow that, we going to end up the same way of the person who went through this. You know what I'm saying? They had the faith of a mustard seed, and he was able to die for our sins, and he was able to we, – we here because of that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's the most important book. Let's go question number two, the most underrated athlete of all time. In my opinion, the most underrated athlete – uh, I think Rogers Camardi is the most underrated athlete. Mm, he has good. so much good. freak ability in him that it's scary. And he doesn't even – I think he knows that, and it scares him that he doesn't even, like, max that out. You know what I'm saying? He was kind of a gambler, though, wasn't he? You got to admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at corner, you kind of do got to take – like, you know, if he had more patience, he probably would be – he would be – He'll be Hall of Fame status. I mean, even though I'm not, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking anything away from him. like. Mm, sure. Yeah. I mean, he was great. He was great. He's my, he's my friend. You know what I'm saying? He's like a brother to me. He, he took me under his wing when I was a rookie. So, you know, I just believe in his ability. I, you know, when it, when people come talking about corners, I, I was able to watch this guy stop on the dime, like really shadow guys and not even run full speed. So I just think nobody really gives him the credit that he needs. And it's not even that he he needs it. He don't he doesn't do stuff to get approved from everybody else and that's why I feel like he's the most underrated. Yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy is that uh, you played with another really underrated guy in Chris Harris Jr. He's not a guy a lot of people name either. So that was a really underrated uh, squad. Yeah, Chris Chris is Chris Chris was underrated, but you know, I feel like, you know, Chris has gotten to the level and he's built, he's marketed and he's built himself to where people can't say that he's under. Right, right, right. Yeah. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Last one, the space or the business that you're most excited about in the near future. I would say the things I'm most excited about is all the projects that I've got coming out, you know, okay. the, the cartoon, the, you know, the lounge where I'm able to, you know, uh, give my NFL friends and, you know, even my community a safe place to come to enjoy food, have a hookah or two, you know, enjoy some entertainment at the spot and, uh, you know, making it affordable. Well, man, this was great to have you on. So much stuff in here. A lot of great clips in here. I'm sure people will probably listen back to this one a couple times because you're doing so much and man, let, let everybody know where they can find you on online because uh, on social, because man, your accounts are always just spitting some truth, some positivity. You're always just laying down so much knowledge, man. So if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at Kayvon Webster, which is my full name. You can type my full name in on Twitter, on Instagram. My name is Kayvon. My food truck is Vibe with a Y, so it's V-Y-B-E-305 on, on Instagram. I also have an Instagram page for my kids' book. It's called Kayvon Webster's Dictionary. And then um, my foundation has a page, too. It's called Game Changers Foundation. So 
yeah, that's how you can find me. And, you know, I'm willing to talk to anybody who wants to talk. And just hit me up. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Kayvon, man. See you next time, bro. Thank you, B.